This is the Delivery Space podcast. Whether you're interested in software delivery, business change or transformation, we've got some great content lined up for you. We launch into different areas of project delivery and bring you those insights and experiences that you don't get from a book. Welcome, it's Sharon and Nisha, and this is our episode on the meta skills of an agile coach. Good morning, Nisha. Hey, good morning, Sharon. How are you doing? Really good and excited uh, to speak with our guest this morning. Yes. Morning, Paddy. How is Dublin this morning? Tell us. Hey, Nisha. Hey, Sharon. Uh, Dublin's actually surprisingly good this morning. The sun seems to be out. There's no clouds in the sky. So we'll take it when we can get it. Absolutely. Um, Paddy, I just want to tell our listeners a little bit about you. Everyone, Paddy Corey is an agile coach at eShop World. He's part of a Lean Agile Center of Excellence team, LACE for short, and based in Dublin, as you've already heard. eShop World is a rapidly expanding e-commerce business, and the LACE team is helping them to adapt and learn with agile approaches, all in the context of rapid growth. Paddy has 20 years experience in software development as a developer, scrum master and agile coach. He has also been a writer and editor with Serious Scrum, which is how I came across Paddy in the first place. Um, Serious Scrum is a publication on Medium and it's been around for a few years, I believe. Paddy is still learning, always and currently on a journey with Scrum Alliance Certified Team Coach Certification and the ICF's ACC Certification. Welcome, Paddy. Thank you. Yeah, great, great to be here. So, meta skills, Paddy, is something that can, I guess, span a whole, a, a large area, especially in terms of what we do. So as Agile coaches, Scrum Masters, we use a variety of techniques, right, to coach our teams, to get them, plus leadership often, to the outcomes that they're looking for. Where do these meta skills fit in? Can you set the scene for our audience? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're right. It's a it's a broad kind of application. Um and I think there's probably different words that you could use for meta skills that are relatively synonymous. So the the definition I like is um, it's like a an attitude or a stance um, or a philosophy, and it, it it's like a place you're starting from mm. as a coach or as a person in a conversation. Um, and you mentioned executive coaching. I mean, if, if I was going into a, a conversation with executives or senior management, I might need to bring courage or challenge or curiosity to that conversation. Whereas if I'm a trainer and I'm about to deliver a training course, then it's, it's kind of a different stance. So I'm, I'm a teacher, a listener, um, an instructor or a guide. And you know, in some conversations which are more nuanced or uh, involve uh, a journey, uh, then you might need to change stance. You might need to change the meta skills that you're you're bringing in that moment. So mm-hmm. that kind of 
sense making and spontaneity they're also kind of the skills of a coach certainly in a one-to-one coaching conversation but an agile coach too um, especially if you're coaching with teams facilitating with larger groups um, you know the skills or the the stances or the competencies you're bringing in that moment um, you, you kind of need to be thinking about that all the time you know am I am I in the right stance how do you personally judge that, Paddy? How do you give yourself that space to be able to judge whether you're, you are using the right stance? Because you've just mentioned quite a few approaches. Um, it would just be interesting for you to share your experiences. Sure. I, I think I could probably start with a relatively common approach that I take for um, facilitation. So facilitation is a, is a competency and a facilitator is a stance. But when I'm preparing to facilitate a session, I can do that in a structured way. Even if it's an agile team event that I'm facilitating frequently. Um, but let's say, for example, it's a one-off workshop. So I may have a workshop coming up with a group of product managers and product owners. I'll be asking myself, how do I need to be in this session? So who is the group that I'm talking to and what do they need from me? So in some cases, maybe it is a guide or, a, or an instructor or a trainer. But in other cases, it might just be someone to hold a neutral stance, open the space, give the group a chance to talk to each other. Um, and it really depends on the on the session. So there's a technique that I like to use, which I picked up on an uh, IC Agile Agile Team Facilitation course, and it's a mm-hmm. facilitation canvas, okay, um, which just helps you prepare in a structured way. Now, one of the kind of prerequisites for that is actually having the time. So I've learned that being able to make time to prepare in that structured way is a a real prerequisite. Just taking those five minutes or 10 minutes to prepare um, and having those couple of minutes before the session as well. So to come back to your canvas, come back to the headspace that you want to get into before you come into the session. These things are, are really helpful, really important. So I was going to facilitate a uh, a session for our Scrum Coaching Circle just this week, guys. And I was handed that facilitation canvas by my coach at work this week, saying, take this to organize your thinking and your preparation and really think about your focus in terms of how you're going to show up for that session. And it kind of reminded me of, you know how oh, my parents always used to say to me, how you show up, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So it's kind of like that mindset. What do you think, Sharon? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think um, what we've touched on is doing the prep beforehand, haven't we? So we can mm. get our heads into the right space. So when we're entering that room, you know, we're, we're really making the best of it. And Paddy, this uh, kind of leads nicely into my next question, which we've kind of touched on slightly, but I want to draw it out a little bit more. 
So I know that as coaches, um, we're encouraged to meet our clients where they are so we're not frustrating them. And I'm guessing that certain skill sets, uh, such as respect and collaboration, are common things that would follow throughout. But how exactly are you determining where those things such as curiosity versus being a challenger versus playfulness now needs to come in? What approach do you kind of use to determine what the right skill set is? Well, I, I think there's probably a couple of ways I could answer the question, but I might start with an individual conversation because I think the the framework of an individual coaching conversation can then apply to even like a broader agreement, coaching agreement, for example. Um, but the approach that I like um, comes from um, Bob Galen uh, has a book called, uh, uh, it's, it's actually quite a funny title, Extraordinarily Badass Agile Coaching, which is, I, I think it's just a wonderful title. But uh, in that book, um, he talks about a coaching arc or the arc of a conversation where you have um, how you're going to uh, open, what your uh, middle game of the conversation is likely to be, and then how you're going to close. So it's another way to structure a uh, conversation that could allow you to prepare and determine what the skills, stances, or, or meta skills that you're going to de deploy or, or be in, but also give you a bit of spontaneity to shift if, if that's needed. Um, let me give an example just to be a bit more concrete. I might open an agile co coaching conversation in a coaching stance. So I would say to someone I'm talking to, I'm just going to ask a few coaching questions. Is that okay? So mm -hmm. always, always with the invitation, uh, never really with the telling. That might actually be a bit more prescriptive than I, than I would normally like to be. But I'd say like it, normally in these conversations, I would start with coaching conversations is, or questions. Is that okay? And I would ask, how, what is the topic we would like to discuss today? How will we know we're going to be successful? Um, mm. What would you like as an outcome of the conversation? Those kind of questions are open coaching. But I think a key part of that opening game is also, how can I be helpful to you in this conversation? What is it you need from me? And sometimes I might introduce the, the menu options available and say it could be trainer, it could be collaborator on a problem. I could stay in a coaching stance if you, if that's what you need. Uh, it could be mentor, advisor, and there are different um, yeah, options from the buffet, I guess, that, that we could offer. And if we define, okay, it's, it's going to be one or two or, or another one of those stances, we can shift. I can explicitly say, okay, I'm taking my coach hat off now, mm -hmm. moving into uh, collaborative, we're going to work on a problem together for a little while. And that'll be the middle game. As we reach the end of the conversation, then I'll be explicit about saying, okay, I'm changing stance again now, going to move back into coach just to check and see how are we doing. And that end game of the conversation is, have we, have we got what we wanted? Have we got what we thought we needed at the start of the conversation? Do we need to contract for more time or are we good? And that 
conversation can happen in an hour. Um, that's when I'm kind of, that's the, the time frame I'm most experienced with. But sometimes that can happen in 15, 20 minutes. If we get what we need, you can, you can achieve it in a shorter time frame. Other times it can lead to kind of the start of a series of conversations and may, you know, diverge into kind of a coaching arrangement with a group or a team, you know. So that arc, the opening moves, middle game, end game, you can prepare for that and still allow for a degree of spontaneity within the arc. I really like that um, that structure because I like that it um, encompasses that invitational approach at the beginning mm -hmm. where you kind of said, uh, you know, what are the parameters around what successful outcomes would look like to you? But then it also allows you to change your approach throughout. And uh, you mentioned that you actually sometimes call it out and say, OK, I'm taking my coaching hat off now. and We're moving to, to this approach. So I really like that structure. And um, you're making it clear to the client as well what you're doing, why you're doing it with a nice wrap up at the end. So that's I think that's something that I'll take on board. So thank you for describing that, Paddy. You're also given a bit of a separation there, aren't you? Because at, at the end of the day, you want the best outcome for the team. But what you're actually doing is saying this part is going to be an instructional part. This part, I may need to be prescriptive. For instance, if you're dealing with a scrum team that's fairly new to scrum and they've just started practicing and they've not no prior experience, or they're just getting to know each other and there's a new team that's formed and come together and they're trying to find their rhythm. So you may notice a combination or, or some anti-patterns and then, yeah, you absolutely may need to take your coach hat off. Another question just occurred to me, Paddy, if there's a new team, let's say, uh, a new scrum team, they're new to the practice of scrum, but they don't know what they want. So they may not be able to answer that question. They Is it okay at that point to, ha you know, uh, have a playfulness stance uh, to try and explore and get out of them what they, um, what they really do? feel because they do have the answers they may just may not be able to tap into them what's your view on that yeah i think so i mean i'm um i'm a strong believer and and i've i've a lot of learning going on in the space of of team working agreements at the moment i, mm -hmm. I think you know i haven't been in a team scrum master role for a little while now i'm in an agile coach role kind of across teams but I advise uh, every chance I get uh, that teamwork and agreements are used because I think it's a chance to have that conversation like I'm describing in a one-to-one -one coaching conversation. So I, I think what you're saying can apply to individuals too. So if mm -hmm. I ask the question, can you describe a role that would be helpful to you? I sometimes see a little bit of panic on the face of the person I'm talking to and kind of they, they say, well, I'm hoping you'll tell me, you know. Right. Um, so that's where the menu of options comes from. And I know what kind of stance I'm comfortable in. So, for example, with a team, I might be more comfortable in that relatively casual, um, you know, a little bit playful, a little bit involving, uh, making sure voices are heard, not not overly strict. That's where I'm probably starting from. 
So mm-hmm. I might say in a team agreement, if the if the team aren't maybe speaking up or they're looking at me and kind of saying, well, you tell us, I'll say, okay, well, this is how I normally am. Um, how is that? And, I, you know, it's, it's a little bit about reading the room. Um, mm. uh, and uh, sometimes you might just have to get started. And then coming back to the working agreement periodically, maybe every three months or uh, however frequently you define it, you can say, okay, this is how I've been the last three months. How has that been for you? You know, do we need to pivot here? And I mean, I think I always come back to the the John Whitmore definition of coaching. That's the coaching for performance uh, book. It's, it's partnering, you know, like how you are as a coach and how you are as a scrum master is adaptable. And mm. you will do your best work with certain kinds of partnerships Mm. And that's okay. That's okay. You're not 100% adaptable to every situation. So a working agreement is for the coach and for the scrum master too. Um, For example, if a team said to me, we need you to be uh, a disciplinarian, we need you to be like a military style, blow the whistle when we make a mistake, I'm probably not going to do my best work with that team, Mm -hmm. but I'll give it a good go. I'll give it a good go if that's what the team needs. But I think that conversation helps me understand whether I'm going to partner with that team and do my best work. And I can start having conversations in the background maybe to find maybe a pivot that would suit the team better, which might mean me after three months moving away. And maybe I know someone in my scrum master group who's like, yeah, this is you, right? Not me. So maybe you move there and I'll move somewhere else. Um, mm. so I think that kind of conversation can be, um, interesting in terms of a working agreement and how we partner. Um, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Cause what you're doing is you're throwing light on the fact that there is room for personality in terms of, or our characteristics in this space. Right. So yeah, yeah. just as you said, you may not be so comfortable in that blowing the whistle caricature of somebody, you know, taking that stance um, in response to mistakes that teams would make. Others would be fine with it. And that's that's great um, because they're, I guess, as long as the dialogue is conducted with respect, it's great because that's what the team has actually asked for. Um, and it's one thing that I've always struggled with, and I, I'm pulling on your wisdom and your experience, Paddy. If teams have failed their sprints, and you want to be able to challenge them, but challenge them in a constructive way. Can you share with our listeners how you've done that? Using those meta skills and, and, and pulling, the, um, pulling those together to be able to give them a really, because you want them to walk away with a really good experience to say, okay, we mucked up on that sprint, fine. But actually, now we've got given the tools to be able to recognize where we can do better Mm. yeah i think it's uh it's obviously not the easiest situation um and you're going to possibly have to encourage the team to have some conversations that are going to be involved in challenge um but i think there's a couple of models that i might lean on for guidance there um i like the radical candor idea 
And I've found software development teams respond to the simplicity of that model, um, which is you're bringing challenge, but you're bringing care and respect. Mm. And you're always striving to bring the challenge with the care and with the respect. And I think if you can describe that model, you know, as a, a preamble or in the opening arc of your conversation about, okay, we, we need to start challenging each other here because things aren't necessarily going well, then I think the team will understand where you're coming from. Mm. And one thing about these meta skills is that's interesting. And Bob Galen talks about it in the book as well is that when you bring these meta skills to a conversation, either consciously or unconsciously, what you find is that they'll be reflected back to you very quickly. And, and you know, it, it's, it's something I have noticed as well, that if I come in a little unprepared mm. to, a, to a session, it creates a little bit of disruption in the group very quickly. Whereas mm. if you come in a bit, bit structured, quite well prepared, uh, there's a settled, settled sort of response from the group, and that can, you know, relate to humor, relaxation, how, how you show up. You know, it can be reflected back. Yeah. So I think what we're trying to do as coaches is model the behaviors we'd like to see, and radical candor is a nice. It's not necessarily an agile thing. It's just a business model. It's a two by two matrix, nice and straightforward. But it also really clearly articulates, here's where we'll be if we get it wrong. Mm. You know, if we have only care and no challenge, that's also bad, right? If we have yeah. only challenge and no care, we're being disrespectful then. And, you know, it's it's a bit abrasive. Mm. And if we have neither, well, we're not going to get anywhere. So it's it's a nice, you can explain it in a couple of minutes, show the visual. Um, I would like that one. One other model that I I like and um, I'm kind of on the learning journey with it is um, clean language, clean feedback. Yes. So how do we give feedback to each other? Um, I think as coaches, we know instinctively it's hard to give feedback to teams and people. Mm. But we're also asking people in teams to learn how to do that themselves too. And that's, you know, that's challenging. So giving a bit of structure to that could be helpful. And I, I like the clean feedback model, which is, it's based on evidence. So when I saw or when I heard this, I thought something and that led to a reaction in me. And I'm, I'm just sharing that. So mm -hmm. for example, when I saw the burn down, uh, in our daily stand-up, three days before the end of the iteration, I thought, we're actually in a pretty bad way here in terms of getting things finished in the in the iteration. And I felt like that wasn't really shared as a, as a thought. I, I just felt like it wasn't really important in the context of the conversation. Um, is that right or is that wrong? Like... A, you know, I'm, I'm telling you what I saw, I'm telling you what I thought, and I'm telling you what I felt. Mm. And, you know, if there's a way of that feedback 
shedding light on important things. And if the team can learn to give that kind of feedback to each other, if it's evidence-based, that might be a way to shed light on these challenges a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, not an easy thing to bring to a group, but I think if we're going to get out of a difficult situation, giving feedback to each other in respectful ways and challenging ways is probably the way to do it. And I think um, you mentioning respect there is important as well, isn't it? And you mentioned with these meta skills, it's almost like you're mirroring behaviours within within the, the forum. Mm. And the way that, that you do it in a, in a respectful manner and you are incorporating evidence, I think makes it much more re- receptive. Certainly when I myself receive feedback or give feedback, if you can bring in the evidence and the facts, then it's less based on you know, your emotive opinions, which can be very challenging then if it's not based on any, any evidence at all. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a good takeaway there. Yeah, I, I, like Sharon and I talk about conflict situations that we encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not ever easy to have that conversation, especially, you know, you, you might have, you might have spotted um, a scrum team that you're coaching and you want them to go through that growth curve. You might have spotted them, I don't know, let's just say winging it when it comes to um, backlog refinement and sprint planning and then reaping the result of it. But you want them to, and it's the hardest, hardest thing to be able to, because you've coached them, they know what processes they have to follow, but you can see them doing that. And sometimes it's the hardest thing to watch them make those mistakes, but you sometimes you have to enable them to do that or step back and watch them do that so that they can learn from it. But what you've given us and our listeners here, Paddy, is a really cool way through clean language to depersonalize your feedback because what you're actually talking about is the behavior and not the individual or a reaction or a lack of response by the team to something they could have responded to to avoid a particular negative outcome. Uh, I think that that is a super, super useful takeaway. Um, I've got one last question for you, Paddy, and this is also something that um, I have struggled with in the past. Um, it's about the coaching stance of a disruptor. The negative connotations that that can have, but also the positivity that can come out of it. So sometimes, by definite, well, I'm not sure of the complete definition, but I imagine the coaching starts with a disruptor to be someone that is shedding light on something in order to improve a particular behavior or a particular mindset so you can get to where you need to get to. But how have you handled that sometimes? Um, and, and especially with exec leadership where that, that level of challenge or that stance of a disruptor might not be so welcome, but you know that that's what they need. How have you how have you handled that? Yeah, I think it's it's one where I I think a, a kind of a coaching agreement might be useful. So we've talked about team agreements. Yeah. We've talked about um, contracting and coaching conversations where I ask what kind of role will be helpful. Um, if I refer to an individual coaching conversation, 
what I might say if I'm actually honoring the role that I've contracted for is something like, well, in the interest of honoring my role as a disruptor, I'm going to say something now. Mm. And then attempt to move into that role of disruptor. So I'm assuming there that at the beginning of the conversation, we've had a discussion about, tell me what you would see or hear when I'm being a disruptor. Mm. Something along those lines. So if I was in a one-to-one coaching conversation, that's how I would do it. At the beginning of the conversation, I'm imagining someone is saying, I need you to be a disruptor here. So I might ask, okay, can you tell me what you would see or hear when I'm in that disruptor role? And just clarify a little bit. Then it's up to me to understand how easy is it for me to move into that role. Um, in the coaching training that I, I did uh, in, in the last couple of years, there's this expression, the growing edge, where you're outside of your comfort zone, but not so far out that you're out, out of your depth. You're, you're kind of tiptoeing still on the bottom of the, you know, the bottom of the water um, mm-hmm. and giving something a go. I think if I'm in my growing edge with that disruptor, um, role, I'm in a good place because I'm, I'm, I'm in a learning area, mm. but I'm hopefully working off some clarification and then being explicit, almost like saying I'm taking my coaching hat off here. It's a similar thing. Um, in the interest of honoring my role as disruptor here, I'm going to say something that refinement session did not go well. That to me sounds like something a disruptor would say. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say it and leave it, leave it there and see what kind of feedback it gets. Now, as I'm saying that, it feels a little uncomfortable, so I know I'm in my growing edge there. With an executive group, um, you're at a, a higher level of challenge again. By challenge, I mean uh, difficulty level for the coach. So um, how to agree that upfront um, would probably involve, I imagine, some one-to-one conversations with people in that group because Mm. if you think you need to bring that disruptor role to an executive group i think you would probably need to discuss that with them before talking to a group of executives as a disruptor because it could get rejected pretty quickly if it's uh, (laughs) if it's not expected or perhaps not what the group really wants Um, Mm. but if it is what the group wants and you contract for that then you're going to need to bring the meta skills of courage <laughs> and challenge, I think, to bring that to a group of executives. But uh, again, I mean, if you know you've contracted for it and you're calling out, like, look, you've asked me to be here as a disruptor, I'm going to tell you as an executive team, you're not making decisions well. This is taking mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. How do we do this better? Like, maybe that's what they need to hear. I, I, I don't know. But Mm. Again, as I say that, I'm sensing in myself, I'm going to need courage to say those kinds of things. That's where that coaching agreement really comes into play and can be um, that rock that you need or that term, uh, that that basis for reference to say this relationship was based on 
when you're in a coaching, um, an exec coaching situation, this relationship was based on me providing these particular things and, and disruption or challenge to the status quo so that they could get better at wherever they want to go, whatever path they want to follow um, is something that is welcome. And I think that's an important thing because I know, Paddy, full disclosure, in certain kind of coaching arrangements that I've entered where I have coached exec, I've not explored that fully and I've wanted to say something and then struggled. And I think it's a very real struggle that coaches face so you know how do I put this challenge to exec who very accomplished in their areas but I can see some agendas playing out but these things could actually become blockers for where they want to go how do I frame this how do I even start to talk about it whereas if you've done that work um, and put a coaching agreement together with them I think that would that would be great at providing you that stable basis so you can pivot to different different stances yeah i think so and, and i think there's um there's definitely levels of difficulty associated with with doing this with playing out these meta skills or these different stances i think if you're facilitating something for or even just participating in in something with a group of executives that group dynamic and being part of that as a coach, mm. I think for me that's one of the most challenging places to, to deploy those meta skills. In one-to-one -one situations, when you're um, in a conversation that feels a little bit more like a coaching conversation to the person involved and you're partnering, you know, explicitly, like the, the conversation has happened because of accepting an invitation, for example, um, mm. that's much more straightforward. And then facilitating it with a team, I think, is somewhere in the middle. You, you've, you've got the agreement up front. You know, you've got the, the groundwork has been done. You've kind of named a role that you're going to play, maybe defined some objectives that you're working towards as a team that you're going to help with. Um, that's much more solid ground. With mm. executive or senior leadership coaching, um yeah establishing those agreements is equally important um and, and i think if it's like coaching and i think sharon you talked about it at the beginning the, the invitation has to be accepted yeah if yeah. you turn up and just start to play the disruptor role um without that agreement um i think it's it's going to be much more difficult yeah and i can see um, from so, yeah, that's Sorry, good. Paddy. Sorry. I was just going to say, I can see Go from ahead. what both you and Nisha have drawn out, the importance of having those agreements in place up front to create that safe environment to be able to then draw upon your, you know, tool bag of meta skills. Because like you've said, if you don't have that in place at the start, it could be quite challenging then to play the role of a disruptor when you really need to so yeah I, I can see the importance of having that up front yeah and I think there's there's also if if I was asked to play a disruptor role I would be asking individually from people involved in the system that I'm about to enter into what that means for them because I imagine mm. I'm contracting primarily with you know, my, the person who's hiring me, let's say. 
So that's one person who's asking me to be a disruptor in the system. So then it's, okay, how do I clarify that role with the, the rest of the system uh, mm. in a way that the rest of the system is at least comfortable with? Uh, you're right to bring courage up, Paddy, because in order to have that conversation, you need to have that courage to be able to draw that out from them. But it's pretty powerful, right? Because once you've done that legwork, you have a frame of reference to say, hey, guys, disruptor to you meant this. So now what I'm actually trying to do is make sure that I perform based on what you've asked for. The invitation has been placed and, and these these are you know, these were the characteristics of a disruptor that you desired. So mm. that actually paves the way for you to have that dialogue. Yeah, like a, a, a learning experience I had in one to one coaching during yeah. coach training was um, I had an observed coaching session, which is part of your, your kind of coach training. And I dutifully asked the role question at the beginning of the conversation to my client. I said, uh, what's the role that would be most helpful to you? And the client said, uh, I'd, I'd really like you to challenge my thinking. I'd like you to, you know, poke holes, um, you know, don't be afraid. I, 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 w I would like you to challenge. And uh, internally, I said, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> In my head, I said, Nope, <laughs> because I said that I, I don't I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm I'm not I'm not comfortable in that stance. I would prefer not to be that that person. So at the end of the conversation, when I asked, uh, did we achieve our objectives? He kind of put his head to one side and said, well, you didn't really challenge me. Like, you, you know, at the beginning of the conversation, when I asked you to poke holes, you, you, you didn't do that. And, and I, I was happy for you to do that. Was there some reason why you didn't? And I had mm. to be honest and say, I just sort of decided I wasn't going to. I, I think I just didn't have the, the courage to do it. And my observed feedback was exactly the same. They said, like, what? where was the challenge? Why didn't you give it a go? Like, you, you had the ground rules established. You did the right thing, but then didn't follow up. So there was a learning for me and in my next coaching conversation where I had the opportunity to do it I was like yeah. <laughs> right in there <laughs> um, and I think part of this meta skills and this growing edge is moving into those places that in ways that feel authentic to you um, mm -hmm. bringing that respect bringing the challenge you know but, but also not not going too far <laughs> um and using feedback loops as well. So get get the opportunity to hear when I played that disruptor role in that conversation, was that it or are we still not quite there yet? Um, mm. So that was a good learning experience for me. I can see that there's a lot of... Yeah, or you may... Sorry, oh, Nisha, sorry, I was just going to say, I can see there's a lot of self-awareness in the journey because you mentioned, you know, feedback and saying, did I, did I meet the objective? Was that it? Was it too much? And I guess it's about striking the balance, right? Yeah. Yeah, and playing a role as well, because in mm. in the team I mentioned who asked for a disciplinarian, I, I might say, well, okay, what does, what does disciplinarian look like and sound like to you? And maybe just asking one or two follow-up questions, I can find a bit of a role of disciplinarian that maybe I would be comfortable and happy playing. 
and that's going to be beneficial to the team. And actually, when they said disciplinarian, really what they meant was just facilitate meetings that start and end on time. And, you know, please just respect our time boxes. Don't do ad hoc refinement meetings. Let's schedule those on a cadence, mm. you know, that kind of thing. Like bring structure rather than discipline. Maybe that's what they mean. So, um, yeah, having those contracting conversations and then, you know, if you're doing a team working agreement after a certain amount of time reviewing how are we doing, are we achieving what we thought we would, what changes do we need to make? Uh, I think putting that structure on it is really super helpful for, for the coach, you know? Absolutely. And Paddy, we are at that point in the podcast where we will ask you, uh, what are your key takeaways from the great conversation we've had today on meta skills? Um, I think I'm going to come back to um, authenticity because that, that was something we touched on. And what we're talking about here is is developing a broad range of of competencies and and skills and stances and doing it in ways that you'll be comfortable with and that will serve mm -hmm. the people that you're working with that you'll be able to partner with people as a coach or as a scrum master and and you know be successful together so i think it's important to be able to do that in ways that that are authentic and you know coaching as a partnership is how i see the activity and sometimes what the team or the exec team or the individual needs from you is not what your best work is and that's okay that's okay so if you if you're aware of how you work best part of that self-awareness is also being aware that it's not going to work for absolutely everybody and that's okay so that might be my Takeaway. Thanks, Paddy. Nisha, how about you? What, what's your key takeaway? Oh, so much stuff. So I love the practical techniques that Paddy has given our listeners, uh, Scrum Masters, coaches, Agile coaches listening to this conversation in the form of those working agreements, the facilitation canvas, uh, the coaching arc, the conversation for that arc. Um, but most of all, I have to echo uh, Paddy in terms of the self-awareness because we know that we've listed quite a few of those meta skills but the depth to each meta skill and what you actually have to show up as in order to illustrate that there will be bounds and there will be edges to that based on you like your own learning your own experiences and what you feel comfortable with um, but what I feel allows you um the space to figure that out is the agreements and these canvas agreements are great because um, from what Paddy's saying and from what I've seen they frame allow you to frame that conversation in such a way is to come up with that agreement and then have that agreement evolve over time with the team or with exec so I found that super useful oh, over to so you, I absolutely Sharon. echo you know everything that you've both said I think the thing that I um, would add is remembering that meta skills is almost about mirroring. So when you take the time to do that preparation mm. and you show it with positivity or playfulness or humor, it's quite likely that the group that you're coaching will mirror back to you. So it's well worth investing in that preparation. 
And then I think it's um, what Paddy touched on about self-awareness and feedback, that it's that constant, you know, two-way dialogue and interaction to see if you are meeting the objectives and see if you need to tweak something, go in a different direction. And then remembering also that that this, this is a two-way thing. And there may be certain scenarios where you're being asked to do something where actually you might not be the best person to deliver um, upon what that particular client is asking. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so many good takeaways from the conversation we've had today. So thank you very much, Paddy. Oh, thanks, Sharon. Thanks very much, Nisha. It's been a pleasure. It's been great, Paddy. Which platforms can people find you on? If they want to get hold of you, work with you. Um, I think LinkedIn is the easiest, um, but also on Medium through Sirius Scrum. Um, either of those two would be the probably the easiest way. Cool. Um, as we said at the top of the call, I first got to know Paddy through um, my desire to want to write um, a couple of articles for Serious Scrum whilst I was re-familiarizing myself with the practice of Scrum and bringing my experience back to life after the pandemic. So um, Paddy was one of the guys that to, that kind of brought that um, Serious Scrum platform and presence on Medium um, into my world. So thank you for that, Paddy. Well, pleasure. Yeah, and I think that invitation to to your listeners as well to come and explore that possibility of joining serious Scrum as a writer is, is there too because writing really helps me sort of structure my thoughts um organize my ideas on a, on a particular subject particularly if i'm trying to work something out and i think a peer review might help serious Scrum is really mm -hmm. great for that yeah it's a beautiful supportive um community that um won't pounce on you if there is something that they disagree with they tell you in a beautiful caring respectful way which is what i found good and it's what someone that um is getting trying to get used to uh you know a scrum or an agile mindset again really really needs and, and that encouragement is just just so valuable so yeah it's been it's been amazing um paddy Thank you so much again for joining us this morning, giving up your time on a Sunday morning. We know we've had you caffeinate um, <laughs> and we're grateful. Um, everyone, thank you for watching and listening. Look out for our next video and our Spotify podcast. Please like and follow to subscribe. Thanks bye. everyone and bye for now. Bye-bye.